In my family, women must never sing. If they do, they die. It's like a malediction. Hafala, Flora Gomez. Mauda Chitaragabiriwe's estimated age is about 94 years. She's believed to be the only surviving woman in Chigezi sub-region, among those who were punished, like was the custom then for getting pregnant outside wedlock. She was confined for about four days on a company island on Lake Bunyanyi. <laughs> Chitaragabiwe is now partly blind with just one eye functioning fairly well. The resident of Kashunjira village says her parents decided she should be separated from the rest of the family. Episode 4, A History in Punishments Chaja, Grandmother When I was younger, I met this young Uganda man. He was a little older than me and his family traveled around the villages telling stories and all oddities for money. When they came through my village, it was during one of those colder rainy season times, when all sense leaves one and the cold controls the hormones. You, you get what I mean. I can remember the excitement as the traveling troupe performed for the village. It was a highlight for all of us because barely anything happened there. There was a huge bonfire made in the village center, got roasting and quartered drinking being passed around as we all listened to the different stories that were being told to us from the travelers. The younger girls were all stolen glances and giggling every time one of the men from the troop looked their way. I blame the weather and that excitement for the mischief I got into later on. On the night before they left the village, we had a brief interlude, the Muganda boy and I. I had to sneak back to my parents' house in the late hours of the night. This house, in fact. You see, no proper Muchiga family would like it if their daughter was seen with a boy, especially a roaming Muganda boy at that. When the morning sickness started, I brushed it off because some sort of community illness was also going through the village. I didn't start worrying until I missed my period, and even then I hoped it was some sort of fluke. When I started showing months later, my family mistook it all as me becoming a woman, growing into my body as an adolescent. But when the bump became prominent, I couldn't hide it any longer. My father was furious. My mother kept crying and praying repeatedly. When they found out that it was by that lanky Muganda boy who had come through the village months ago, it was the last straw for them. They then decided to follow the village protocols and traditions. The whole village gathered by the shore as my father rode the small boat away with me in it. I can still remember my mother wailing loudly like I had just been killed in front of her. And to be fair, what they had sentenced me to was actual death, so in a way it was a fitting reaction. My father looked as grim as I had ever seen him. He didn't say a single word to me the whole boat ride to the island. I don't think I would have mustered up anything to say to him, to be honest with you. I was that terrified. The island was roughly an hour or so by canoe from the village, but it was all a blur to me. I had seen other girls who had gotten pregnant out of wedlock on this very same journey that I was undertaking, and I had never thought that the day would come when it was me. The island was a deserted, haunted-looking entity on the water. It had those very same two trees in the middle of it. The only difference is that the trees weren't as dead-looking as they look these days. It had an eerie, gloomy kind of beauty to it too. Well then, get off. My father's voice got me out of my stupor. 
we had arrived at the island. When I didn't budge, he prodded me painfully with the oars, and I stumbled onto the grass of the island. He quickly rolled away, as if he was escaping some sort of unseen enemies. It was said that the island was haunted with the ghosts of the women who had been unfortunate enough to be banished there. If any men set foot onto the soil of the island, they would die instantly. That was why my father got out of there the minute he could. I lay there for what felt like forever, sobbing my heart out. When it got darker, the cold and wetness of my clothes became a more immediate concern. Shivering all over, I decided to walk further into the island. I figured it would be a quick walk seeing as how the island is a small patch on the water. Maybe I would find some fruit, maybe some guavas, stuff like that, something to keep me alive for however long I could last there. I started hearing faint singing ahead as I walked further inland. At first I mistakenly took it for the wind but as I kept walking, I could hear what sounded like a chorus of women singing. When this fact registered, I froze where I was standing. A thousand questions flashed in my mind but one thing was certain, I wasn't alone there. You've seen the island, right? There are two trees almost in the center of it. From afar it looks like all you have to do is walk a few steps and you are at the trees. But I realized that I had walked quite a distance before reaching them. When I saw the two trees ahead of me, there was a glow emanating from them and it occurred to me that the singing was coming from the same direction they were in. As I neared the trees, the singing got even louder. It had this, this hypnotic captivating lure to it. I didn't realize I had started moving towards it until I felt the rough, textured bark of one of the trees under my palms. I also realized that the tree surface was lined with fireflies, and as my hands went over it, some got displaced. It was a beautiful sight to behold. My concentration fully on the fireflies, the singing had been pushed to the back of my mind, that is, until movement at the corner of my eye snapped me out of it. I turned around and was startled to see a large gathering of women, all in white around me. The quiet, haunting singing was coming from them. It occurred to me briefly in that moment that this whole incident could be a hunger or shock-fueled hallucination, but it all felt so realistic. The singing, the fireflies now flying around the women and I. It was all so beautiful and it moved me to tears. It felt like that tiny island and its other world the inhabitants were embracing me into their fold. All of my prior fears of the horror that was awaiting me when my father had left me on the island dissipated. All I felt was protected and loved. Somehow I knew that I would be fine. There are things that I'm not allowed to share about my time on the island. I have met some other survivors, those who managed to return from the island like me. We all came to a decision not to divulge much of what happened there, because we felt that going into specifics of what we experienced during our time there felt like sacrilege or some sort of betrayal. This is how I got off the island though. It felt like I lived multiple lifetimes there, and then suddenly one day, I woke up and realized that I was lying by the edge of the island where my father had dropped me off. The realization was a painful shock to me. Had the island rejected me? Was I not worthy of joining my island predecessors? The devastating loss was threatening to overwhelm me in that moment. To my utter surprise, before I could give in to all of the emotions, I saw a small boat banking by the island shore. Inside the boat was a skinny lanky figure. It was that Muganda boy. 
Later, I would find out that he had felt a certain call to come back to my village and see me. He had been having these strange haunting dreams too for some days, so he had set out to find me. When he had got into the village, my father had tried to beat him up and so he had run away. None of the other villagers would tell him where I was either. Later on, my mother had snuck out to see him and let him know where I was. He had then hired a boat and had come to rescue me. I'm not so sure I needed any rescuing, but I came to the conclusion that it had been the will of the island. I think it wasn't my destiny or my final place of rest there. That's how your grandfather and I got together. We moved to a nearby island and settled there. We had your mother and your aunt, and then when my parents died, we moved back into this house. It is a good spot. It overlooks the punishment island, and the sight of it always brings me comfort. Whenever I see fireflies over the water and look over the island, it's like I'm transported back to my time there. Do you know who was in my belly at that time on the island? It was your mother, Naka. It's why she couldn't stand life on the mainland. She was a product of the island. Life was given to her there. Without that protection I got while I was there, I'm not sure I would have lasted all those days while pregnant with her. I believe that is why you're also touched by something other. I have seen it, your aunt has too. Your mother also had it. That is why she tried to go back there by herself. It's so unfortunate that she drowned before going there. Maybe the island would have taken her back. I'm not sure. It's something I've always wondered about though. I think it's why your aunt also insists on all of that church stuff for you. Personally, I think it's all a bit much what she does. But she hopes that maybe it will be your saving. Thank you for listening to Punishment Island Episode 4, A History in Punishment. Written and performed by Masembe. Music used was Omotimurunji by Haka Muchiga. Cover art was by Typical Ugandan. You can listen or download the show on all podcast platforms at your convenience. Please subscribe, rate and write a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen from. Find me online at Punishment Island on Instagram, Tumblr and Twitter. Thank you. Mwebale nyo. Kanyanya